The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Studied all week for that, just so you know. Yeah, exactly. Invite your attention this morning to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. If you're visiting with us, uh, that's on page 493 of the Blue Bibles in front of you. Uh, 493. Uh, we've been in a series the last several weeks, actually the last three weeks, about what is worship and what worship is not. And we have just this week and next week before we move on to our next series. And uh, as we emailed out this week, we're going to be going through several Ask the Pastor questions about uh, things you have asked about. Uh, divorce, remarriage, and some other things we'll, we'll tackle in June. And then starting the last week of June and the first week of July, we'll start the book of First John, and that's what's coming up. And always, if you're interested in what we're going to be studying the rest of the year, uh, this was not planned this way, but with uh, the craziness of our election season, uh, we're going to be studying the Ten Commandments uh, starting in September through election week. So uh, that's always a good thing to remember in that time. And uh, uh, praise the Lord. We did not plan it that way in the sense of looking that way, but God, God is God, and He's good. Uh, I just want to thank our praise team today. Uh, thank you guys for leading us, as you always do. And I want to especially thank Blake, because... Blake was joking over email this week when we talk about what colors we're going to wear up here, and I, I don't do a good job of matching. Blake said he was going to wear his sunburn as the pink was the color today. Well, Blake wore a salmon shirt, so Blake, congratulations. We're happy that you did, and thank you for, for showing up with that. Don't you like that we have fun with each other? I hope you do. It's a good thing. But let's get into God's Word today. So what is worship? You know, uh, some of you have these TVs before, and we don't have a TV that works this way, but some of you have those fancy TVs where you can watch the big show, and then you have the little screen in the bottom. Does anyone have that technology? It's been around for a while. Yeah, picture in picture, the PIP, P-I-P, picture in picture. It means you can watch whatever show you want to watch, and then all of a sudden, you can also watch the other little show next to it. So if you like to watch a movie and then see if the Royals are winning, it's a perfect thing for you to do. The main show is the big screen. That's what's covering the most of the information. And the, the little screen is just the, the sideshow of what happens. You know, as I was thinking about this week's topic, we're talking about public worship, why it's important that you're here on a Sunday. And this was planned back in December, Psalm 84. But this is something that is kind of how the TV works too. Because a lot of folks, when it comes to church and worship and spending time with the Lord, have a PIP experience. The main show isn't what's going on, so to speak, in that big screen of their lives on a Sunday. It's everything else around it, and church is kind of that small screen on the side. Does that make sense? Some people don't really get in to the truth of God's Word until they have seen that God is really the main screen in their lives. And for some, that's hard to do because we have so much going on these days, don't we? So much. There's baseball games to go to. There's, there's uh, things to do with your family. There's that thing called W-O-R-K, which uh, if you don't show up for that, that's probably not a good thing. You may need to do that. And you have hobbies. You have life that comes at you. So it's hard sometimes to reorient ourselves to know that what we see in front of us is not always the most important thing, especially when it comes to spiritual things. This is why Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and the men's dinner, we touched on this briefly last night, but Hebrews 10, 24 says this, 
It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, one thing I love about God is that when all of life puts our life on that big screen instead of him, that he doesn't change, that he is always faithful, that the church, although we get older, God's church stays the same because you know what? God is faithful to his church even when things are faithless to him. And aren't we glad for that? So let me ask you a question. Why are you here this morning? Why are you here? Some of you, this has been your routine for many years. Some of you, this has been your routine very recently. But have you ever just stopped back and thought, why do I go to church? Why do I want to go to church? Or better, why do I have to go to church if you're under 18 and you're like most, most kids? Why do I have to go? God, God doesn't need me there. I just want to stay at home and do whatever I do. That's where the big idea comes from in Psalm 84. It's simply this. Friends, why do you come to church? Why is it so important that you congregate together weekly? It's this. Because weekly corporate worship is an invitation to remember again that you are not in the center of your world and a welcome to worship the one who is. Let that sink in for just a second. So often as we've talked about about worship and what is worship in America, we've made it all about ourselves, haven't we? Now, we sometimes don't recognize that difference, but that's what we've done. But people love the idea of church until it infringes on their decision-making. Isn't that not true? It was funny at the men's dinner last night, uh, some sad stories, but we, we, we had to laugh at some about excuses uh, of why people couldn't come to church, and some of them were far out there. Uh, I told about a time in another church where and I know I harp on the MUKU thing a lot. Forgive me. That's my bad bent. I, forgive me. But this actually happened. Uh, and there was an MU fan and a KU fan opposite sides of the sanctuary. And one time after the big football game 10 years ago when MU beat KU, and uh, it was like in 2007, the biggest college football game of the night, one of them left the church over because they had some words after church about who was the best football team. That was the reason for not coming back to church. They didn't reconcile their differences. And you can list all sorts of things. But friends, the great thing about the church of God is it reminds us that it's not all about us, but it is truly all about him. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at four areas that we can long for to see in God's church. Because that song we just sang, I pray that's your prayer. Do you long to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? Do you desire to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? Or is it just another check mark? of things to do. Before we get there, though, let me just rehash where we've been. In week one, we looked at Psalm 150. We looked at four things, where we worship. That's in God's house or anywhere at that point, but especially the church. Why do we worship? Because he's worthy. How do we worship? The Bible tells us who do, who, who's to worship. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at we can worship God even in our work. We can worship God in our prayers. We can worship God by depending on him. And last week we looked at we worship God by his character, by his works, by his judging and his blessings. This week, four things from Psalm 84. Four things. How do you long for God's house? How do you get to that place in your life where church is not just another thing that you do? It's the thing that you want to be at. Is it the latest, greatest technique? Is it the pastor wears a pink shirt and a, a tie? I hope not because that pink will rotate every now and then. What is it that brings you to this house? Well, Psalm 84 is going to tell us that we need to have a passion for the living God, a trust in the power of God. We need to seek the protection of God, and we need to desire his presence. 
And this Psalm 84 is an interesting psalm. I don't know, this is the best way to put it, but James uh, Montgomery Boyce, James M. Boyce, if you need a commentator to read, he's a good one. He called this psalm the psalm of the janitor. This is a psalm of someone who is serving in God's house and has the lowest position. And it's the work no one wants to do. Quite frankly, back then, it was probably cleaning up the blood of the sacrifices that were on the altar. A terrible thing, right? But you know what he said, and we'll get there. He went on to say, James Boyce, that this janitor of God's house would have rather cleaned up blood of sacrifices for a thousand years than to spend one day anywhere else except in God's presence. Is that your attitude this morning? I pray that it is. If you're able this morning, if you'll join me as we stand for the reading of Psalm 84, coming out of the English Standard Version, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Very familiar psalm, but one I pray that will speak to your heart today as we look at how to long for God's house and why it's important to congregate together. Verse 1, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those, verse 4, who dwell in your house, ever singing in your praise. Selah. That basically is a mind-blown statement. He just can't comprehend how that is. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways, so to Zion, or to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca and they make their place of springs, the early rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, our God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts or your house is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's a great underlined verse right there, folks. O Lord God of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. May God bless the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, this morning I, I pray as uh, we talk about what it means to spend time in your house. Lord, this is back to the basics. Most of these folks here and are, are very well in tune with this. But Father, refresh our hearts today and, and challenge our hearts today. Father, uh, if there be any sin in us, would you forgive us, Lord, because we know our sins are very many. Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us if we have longed to be anywhere else here but today in your house. Father, clearly there are times of medical and times of uh, vacation and such. But Lord, as it is, help our hearts to be that there would be no desire but to honor you. And so, Father, we pray for that and many more this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So how do you have a passion to go to church? Uh, you know, a few years ago, there was a church uh, out east in North Carolina that decided to give away guns at church one day. True story. You can look it up back in 2010. And uh, it was a giveaway trying to draw people in. And they noticed a trend. And maybe uh, they, they thought this was a great find. They noticed a trend that after they stopped giving away those things, do you know what happened to their attendance? <whistles> Went right back down. So the next year, in 2011, according to the news reports I read, they tried to give away a free 52-inch uh, uh, screen TV. But you had to be there for two weeks this time in order to get the raffle to win. Guess what happened on the third week with their attendance? 
how do you have a passion for the God, living God? How do you long? It, friends, it, if it takes a TV and a gun to get you to come to church that you might win it, then I think we have the wrong thing. But this is the culture we live in, isn't it? This is the culture that we live in. So how, according to the psalmist, do we have a longing for God's house? Well, it starts with a passion for the living God. Uh, look back at verse 1 here. Uh, it talks about the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, the, the living God, my God and my King. That's where it starts with. It doesn't start with the extras. It starts with the source. It starts with the one that it all comes from. And such is an awesome God that there's at least uh, several things that we have to do here. Verse 1 tells us that we are to acknowledge the Lord. Look back at that if you have it. He says very clearly here, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. The place where God dwells is lovely, isn't it? You know, it's going to be a great thing in heaven, but especially here in the psalm, this was talking about the temple. Uh, many of you know that big temple they built, Solomon built. And this was the, the temple that had the beautiful stones, and, and that's where God's presence was at that point, the Holy of Holies. But aren't you grateful that in John 2.19 that Christ said, You destroy this temple... He wasn't talking about the physical temple. He's talking about his body. You destroy this temple in three days, what would Jesus do? He would come back and raise up to life again. And now the Lord makes his dwelling in the church and the people of the church. That's an earth-shattering thought if you're a first-century Jew. If you're a psalmist looking ahead, this is earth-shattering. How do you have a passion for the living God? You acknowledge how lovely his dwelling place is. Friends, if you are a Christian here today... You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Never forget that. When Satan throws those dart arrows at you and throws temptations at you, never forget that you have the God who used to dwell in a temple who dwells so high above everything else. He resides inside of you. Don't ever forget that. And that's why if you don't acknowledge sin, you won't value grace. Because one thing that they did in these temples every year, you know they gave annual sacrifices. They had to. That was how they atoned for their sins. They had to acknowledge the Lord. And friends, there are things in your life that you need to acknowledge even today before him that may be sin that has happened even this morning. One of the greatest sins I think that we have need in American church today is to repent of the fact that we have made church so different than what God wanted it to be. Across the board, do you know that most churches do not even read publicly from the Bible these days? Do you realize that? Do you realize that most churches give a more of a motivational talk than they do anything else. Friends, we need to repent of what we have done in the church because how beautiful is his dwelling place. The church, the people that God resides in, it is a beautiful thing, but if we don't acknowledge our sin, we won't value his grace. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Is it a beautiful thing to you? Sometimes the Holy Spirit is like that old Newsboys song. How many you know what the Newsboys are, the original Newsboys? Uh, if you're into mu Christian music from the 1990s, DC Talk is having a reunion coming up. They're calling it the Old Fogies Tour uh, of Christian music. These guys are in their 50s, used to be in their 20s, whatever it is. It's kind of like Gaither. Gaither went on tour in the 1980s. Now Gaither's getting old, right? It, it, just, it happens. You get older. But one thing that the Newsboys used to sing about, they used to sing about a circuit judge in the brain. Uh, the Holy Spirit being a circuit judge in the brain, that when you are in God's house, when you are outside of God's house, wherever you are, that Holy Spirit zones in on you and says, look, God's not pleased with that. I'm not pleased with that. And when it comes to having a passion for the living house of God, about church itself, friends, sometimes it starts with dealing with the very sin that's in your life. Because sometimes you don't want to go to church because you know that you're going to be exposed for something that you may have done. 
pastor included on that. Because often the very sermons that I preach are the very sermons that God comes back and says, oh, contrary, my friend, where were you on Sunday morning when you said this? And God brings it full circle, and I'm grateful for that. So he says you need to acknowledge the Lord in verse 1. Secondly, you need to, you need to long for the Lord. Look at verse 2. He says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. The beauty of this temple that the psalmist saw back in the day, he was just overwhelmed. I mean, overwhelmed at what was going on. He was crying out, God, I just want to stay here forever. It's kind of like when you take a kid. Our, our kids love our babysitter so much. Uh, Simeon had a big change in routine. His school ended. He'll have summer school in a couple weeks. And, you know, with autism, routine's a king almost everywhere. We took him to the babysitter. He loves it. He was crying before we got in the door. No, I don't want to go. And when we left, guess what? He was crying because he didn't want to leave. That's how it works. The psalmist here says, look, you want a zeal for God's house. You want to know why it's important you come together each week. You need to long for the Lord. When's the last time you're so long to be around God's people? It may have been a while. It may have been. That's the second application point. Friends, do we long more for Friday than we long for the Lord's day? Or whatever day your recreation is. Some of you have Mondays off. Bless Mondays if that's what you have off. But whatever your day is that you do nothing but have fun or, 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 or do the honey-do list, most of you husbands, or whatever it is, do you long for those days more than you long for what God is doing in God's house each day? I know that hurts because it hurt me to think about this. Are my desires more about what is going on on the day that we go on our date day? And I love my wife, the more what God is doing among his people. He said, well, Darren, isn't it important to have those things? Yes, it is. Please go out, have fun, enjoy yourself all to God's glory. But so often we've forgotten that this is the greatest day of our week, Christian, isn't it? This is it. And you long for that day. Verse 3, he says we need to honor the Lord. He, he says in verse 3 here, he says... Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for itself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. The psalmist looks at the birds and he says, what an honor and privilege they have. These little birds that amount to nothing. These little birds get a house, a place next to God, and I just want to spend one day there, and they get to spend all the time there. Friends, sparrows were worthless. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus acknowledged that. Those of you who are uh, prone to worry, remember what Jesus said? He said, even the birds are clothed. What what are you? Don't worry about tomorrow. God will take care of it. But they were also restless. These birds would fly everywhere. These are the birds that nest in those places. You don't like them to nest. You know what I mean? You know, at Simeon School at Liberty Education Center, they have these spikes up that are uh, supposed to keep the birds out. And lo and behold, when you enter the doors, there's there's bird nests everywhere. So they find places because they want to be in that spot. They're restless with this. Friends, are you restless with the fact that if you miss church just to miss church because, meh, I'm missing church today, meh, no big deal. Are you restless like that sparrow? Listen, are there times when you need to take a break? Yes. But friends, don't let that because someone said it so well last night. The moment you start easing out of church, what happens? It becomes routine, doesn't it? And it's not so bad. Well, I don't need to go back. What's the point? I can study with God at home. That's why, thirdly, to honor the Lord's day requires thinking carefully about it on Saturday night. Think about this. How often do we rush into worship, myself included, talking, joking, doing these things? But worship, having a passion for God's house means that we may have to take time on Saturday night to say, am I prepared? Am I ready? Is my heart ready, most of all, before to worship the Lord? Am I prepared to go worship God? 
Because just because we show up doesn't mean we've worshipped. Being a warm body doesn't always guarantee that's happening. And he goes on, he says, we, fourthly, we need to praise the Lord. Look at verse 4. So even the sparrow finds its home at your altars, O Lord, but blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Ever singing your praise. Friends, I just want you to take a moment and just think how awesome opportunity we have each week. It's mind-blowing. I mean, think about this. We get the chance to sing to the amazing God that is God. We get the chance to lift up the name of Jesus Christ each week. Does that not excite you? Amen? You guys were really into those songs this morning. I am so glad. We have more than 10,000 reasons to praise God. Amen? We have multiple reasons to praise God. And we know that continues day and day. And that's why none are excluded whose passion is rightly set on Him. Friends, the the problem with everything that we have today in the, the church is that we forget that. We take that for granted. Excuse me, just one second having trouble with this the last couple of weeks, and I apologize to be a distraction. But none are excluded whose passion is rightly set on him. It's your passion today, rightly set on God as you came in. You know, I'm not a cheerleader. Jesse Shea, I thought of you about this because you are a professional cheerleading coach. If you didn't know that, see Jesse, and he will teach you all the tricks. But do you want to know something? Cheerleaders are needed. Cheerleaders' job is to do what? No matter if the score is 59 to 0, those cheerleaders, as awkward as they look when they do it, they are out there, go team, go team. And everyone is looking at them like they are absolutely nuts. And they might be, but they're still going to cheer. You know that. You can't keep them down. Jesse, is this accurate? Yeah, sort of. Okay, close enough. But their job is no matter what the score, at the end of the game, they want to excite you about the team that you're cheering for. And if you've been a Kansas City sports fan, you know we needed that for years. You know that. Their job is to be a cheerleader no matter what. You can't change that about them. And folks, when we come to church, there's a lot of people who come here who need that extra push of a cheerleader, someone in their life, spiritually speaking. We need people in our church who are willing to say, look, I've had a a worthless week. Man, my family's in shambles. My job stinks. I stink because I haven't showered in three days. And, And here's the facts of the matter. But I'm here because God has called me here, and I have a passion for him, and I want to be with him, and I want to be around his people. Maybe you need to be that person or someone else in this church who's willing to say, the score is 102 to nothing, but praise God, at least we're in the game. Maybe that's what we need to have today. And we need the people to tell us that we're going to make it, especially in today's political climate. I'm sorry, we watched something, we, we watched, uh, Natalie and I watched something on politics on Friday night for our date night, probably not probably not the most jazzing thing we've ever done. And we both fell asleep, rightfully so, because all we could do is say, all right, Lord, knock us out, because wake us up when all this is over, right? But friends, we need to have a passion, especially in days like this, for our church, for being involved, for praying, for doing these things. Please hear me. This is not a guilt trip for you to say, well, the pastor is just trying to get that big number for the annual convention. No. Trust me, if we were down to five people, but those five people were set on fire for the glory of God, then give us five people set on the glory of God for God's purposes. Amen? But we are here because we need to be reminded this is what it's all about, is being with God's people. Secondly, how do you have a passion for God's house, for his people? You first have to have a passion for the living God, and secondly, you must trust in the God of Zion. Look back at verses 5 and 7 here. He says, uh, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with the pools, and they go from strength to strength, and each one appears before Zion. 
you know, this is a, it's literally the, the language of a pilgrim. This is of someone walking on a journey, someone who is trying to get safely to Jerusalem in that day, but especially now to heaven in this day. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, many of you have. If you've never read that great classic book, Pilgrim's Progress, that was written many, many years ago by a guy who's long since dead, I encourage you to read it. It's probably one of the best books up there with the Bible itself. Because it talks about a, a man named Christian who's journeying. How many of you have read that book before? Just a lot of hands. It's about a guy named Christian who goes through and he sees all these sorts of things, all these people, all these temptations, all this mess. He's trying to make it to the celestial city, to heaven. It's, it's figurative, and that's kind of the picture we have here. This person, this psalmist, was trying to make it to God's house because he couldn't not be in God's house, so he had to get there. And friends, that's why it says in verses 5 and 6, you have to have the Lord strengthen you to get there. If you are blessed to find strength, find it in God himself. Many of you are strong, much stronger than I will ever be physically, much stronger than I will ever be mentally. But all of us pass through in our lives the valley of Baca or Baca, however you want to say it. That valley there, you say, what is that? Is that like a signpost somewhere along the way? No, it's literally, it means weeping. It's a valley of sorrow. It's a valley of agony. It's a valley of, 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 of terribleness. It's a valley. It's almost like when you're coming to church on a Sunday morning and uh, your kids are screaming. My wife and I go through this a lot. She goes through this a lot. You know, or you forget your car keys or you, uh, I don't know, fill in your blank. You forgot your Bible at home. You forgot whatever it is that you need to get out the door with the church. You forgot it, and you're, you're thinking about it all the way to church, aren't you? Or you forgot to turn off the oven, and the oven's still on at home. Or, or if you're like me, and my wife reminds me of this constantly, you forgot to turn off the iron for the 15 millionth time, and it's sitting at home with the on sitting on for five hours before you come back home. Your valley bacal may look a lot different to get to God's house. Do you see that here? But what happens when you get there? Whatever's going on in your life, when you get to the place of God, the church especially, you feel different, don't you? I hope you do. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're challenged. But friends, that's why the first application point, I think, is this. If the Lord's strength is made perfect in my weakness, remember Paul said that? May I always be weak in that case. May I always forget my keys. May I always have something hard happen in my life if it means that I can be on fire for God at all times, at all places, wherever he sends me. If that helps me remember why I come to church, if that helps me remember what he has done for me, then that is what I need to pass through in that case. I know that doesn't sell well. I know that is hard to understand. But if the Lord's strength is made perfect in my weakness, what else would I want? You know, isn't it interesting that some of the great men of the Bible had this great, like, like, people had the come to Jesus moment, like the mountaintop experience. And then what happened to them right after that? They ran away, Elijah. Elijah had just seen the fire consume the altar. And then he ran away because Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing. I'm just saying we look at it 2020, right? Jonah, we talked about him. Jonah had this great experience. He'd been in a whale. God had like supernaturally spun his world upside down. And, and then he goes and he cries, God, I don't have any shade. And I'm really mad that you saved those people over there. Man, and what did Jacob do? Jacob, that squirrely guy, Jacob, you know, he steals, he, he pretends to be a hairy man, and then he runs away, and then he gets mad at God for, because God wasn't watching out for him at various points. Guys, we all need to remember that we need to trust in the power of God and God alone. And if God puts you in a life of weakness, then may it be to his glory. 
If God puts you in a life of hardship, then may it be for his glory. Because that is when you learn to trust in him. And that is when, when you go to his house, when you go to the church, you find that it's the greatest blessing you ever had. Because it's the place where God's people are that are hurting, hurting and broken just like you. Verse 7, he also says, let the Lord sustain you here in verse 7. He says, they go from strength to strength, each one Zion before God. And what does this mean? It, it literally, you picture this person walking on a journey, just tired, just very, very tired. They're sludging through it. I can remember running marathons, and, and I remember the parts I remember, I, I just, there's a part of the first marathon I ran that I blacked out of literally. I don't even remember it. Last six miles were like a, like a cartoon in my head. It's just, I don't know what happened. I showed up and I crossed the finish line. There's my mom saying, hey, you made it. Great. Where's the water? You know, you just forget these things. You can imagine the hardest thing you're ever doing in your life, just trudging through all that it is. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's all the above. And, and, and here it is. This man is trying to trudge physically, pilgrimage, the psalmist, to get to God's house. He's tired. He's worn out. Is this really worth it? Is it really worth going to God's house? And what does God say? He says, they go from strength to strength, each one who appears before God in Zion. Look, if you are struggling about why you should be here today, can I just encourage you that God will give you strength to strength to worship him? Some of you have experiences in your life. You know the best times you have worshiped God have been when you had absolutely nothing left in the tank. And God came alongside like he did with Elijah and the crows and gave you food to eat. And that is how God works. You want a passion for God's house? Remember this. Richard Sibbs, yes, one of those old dead guys, probably one of the best old dead guys you could read. He said, it is better to limp to heaven than to dance to hell. Friends, he will sustain you, God will, especially when you worship him. Friends, life is going to throw at you things about why you should not come to church but keep pressing on towards the Lord. Life is going to throw at you things about why you shouldn't even seek the Lord in general. But I'm telling you, God is enough for your situation. God is enough for our country right now, folks. I want to remind you of that. God is enough for our country. Not just any God, but the God of Scripture revealed through and only Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is enough for our country. Friends, if we were to lose all of our rights as Christians, as citizens of America, God is still enough for our church. I hope you believe that, because the Bible says that. Look, we pray for change. We'd be advocates of change in this nation, and we need to be. We need to stand up for things. But friends, remember, if God were to strip all that away to prune his church, God is still good, and the God, gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Why? Because it is better to limp to heaven than it is to dance to hell. Never sell out your faith for politicalness. Whatever that may mean, sell it out to the God who's over all politics, who controls all things, and who sovereignly is working all things for his glory. And friends, that might mean that it is not whoever we want in office. Please know that. But the church doesn't work best in prosperity. The church works best in adversity. But praise God, he's our strength. Amen? That is our church. That is our God. You know, I heard about a man who uh, was a businessman who had to travel to a small town for a meeting. So he took one of those puddle jumpers, uh, Cessnas. Uh, I wish Ernie Price were here because he could tell you all about these things and pray for Ernie. Those of you who know him, he's doing well. Uh, he's found five. Just as an aside, those of you, you know, Ernie was sent to, uh, went up to the VA. He loves TWA. Ernie has found five TWA guys, apparently, at the VA. If you know Ernie, guys, you know that's a praise. Thank the Lord. God is taking care of our brother. 
But this woman was excited to go with her husband until she found she had to get on one of these small planes. She was so terrified. How many of you all have ridden on a plane like this? How many of you all were terrified? Keep your hands up. Well, five of you, yes. And, and she said, honey, I'm not going to go. And he said, what? Why aren't you going? She said, I'm not going to go in that itty-bitty plane called the Cessna Puddle Jumper. And her husband said, your faith is too small. And she quipped, she said, no, honey, the plane is too small. <laughs> and so the businessman really wanted his wife to go. And so he canceled the small plane, booked the travel on the major airline. And he, he, re, he recounted this story. He said her faith grew because of the size of the plane grew with it. Maybe that's how you are today. I don't know. But friends, the object of your faith determines how much faith you have, doesn't it? If you know that you have the God of the Bible, how big is that plane going to be? It's going to be super big because he is super unlimited in his power. If you are struggling about why it is important to, to, to worship the Lord through the week, through the church, know this, that God knows everything you're going through, and he can take that little small plane faith and he can make it big because he's a big God. Amen? And that is our God. Let's go on to number three. So how do you have a passion for God's house? You have a passion for the living God. You have trust in his power. And thirdly, you must seek his protection. That's why verses 8 and 9 go on here. Look back at your Bibles, verses 8 and 9. He says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer and give ear, O God of Jacob. And there's that phrase, say law. That's uh, a phrase that literally in today's terms, I said it earlier, it means mind blown. Matt, I think of you every time, Matt Andrews, because he does this a lot. Go to a Tuesday night, you'll see Matt do this like 12 times. It's almost like an exercise for him at times, but it works because he's mind-blowing the youth with the truth of the Scripture and thank God for him and his, and his ministry. But you know, that's what he says. He says, look, O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. And then he says, mind-blown. I have to seek the protection of God. God hears my prayer. Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's awesome. It's like some of you young ladies were when you got engaged. You went around and you told everyone. My wife was, I, I can remember this. A lot of wife stories today. Sorry, honey, I didn't ask you about any of these. But, uh, you know, one of those things, we were at Oklahoma City in December 2009. She was running around telling people, I just got married, I just got married. They're like, okay, yay, you know, happy. You know, that's kind of how this man is. He says, look, I want a zeal for God's house. I'm tired, I'm weary, I don't want to go, but I know I need to get there. And, and this God hears my prayer. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's how many of you were after the Royals won the World Series. You thought, 30 years, God finally answered my prayer. <laughs> Amen. I can stop praying for that, but pray for 2060. I'm sorry. No, we'll leave it there. But let me ask you this. You need to seek him in prayer. That's how you get your protection. But is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? It's a good question. Because here he says, O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. It's the same thing twice. It, it, the psalmist will often do this. He'll say one thing and he'll say it another way, but say the same thing. Friends, sometimes we need to wrestle with him in prayer to get to church. Lord, change my heart. I don't want to be here. I've got a thousand things to do today. Lord, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, that, that, and the other. And what he's telling God on this journey to get to the temple to go worship God is God, change my heart because I need that. And God, thank you that you hear my prayer. Thank you that you're not just going to let it fall on deaf ears. Oh, you don't, uh, you don't need to come worship me. Don't worry about it. Worship to this guy was going before God, and that's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted to do. Why? Because he knew God would answer his prayer. And secondly, look at verse 9, because God was his shield. 
Behold our shield, O God. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. God, not only thank you that you hear my prayer, but God, thank you that you are watching out for me at all times. Friends, this is the same phrase that was told of Jesus later on. This is a messianic prophecy here. The psalmist and the people of God would have hoped for a great shield, and that shield is Jesus Christ. Friends, that's why as we look at our church, as we look at our nation, there is no greater shield than Jesus Christ. How do you pray for your nation right now? You pray that your nation comes to know Jesus Christ as the one and only Lord and Savior. We celebrate religious liberty as Baptists. We do. Baptists believe that everyone is welcome to worship as they are, but we don't believe that they're all right. I hope you know that. Does the Buddhist have the same right to worship as we do? Yes, and we will fight till our very death for that right. You better believe that. But at the end of the day, we are praying that they would come to know Jesus. Excuse me, I'm fix this again. There it goes. That they come to know Christ. Friends, often when we come to worship, sometimes our pride is on the line. Because we haven't been for a while. Or maybe it's, it's been a weird transition time. But I want you to know that I often rush to my own defense for my own vindication when I forget the gospel. This man laid it all bare before God. He said, God, I'm tired. I don't look good. I, 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 I'm messed up, but I long for your courts. I want to worship you. God, hear my prayer. Thank you that you're my shield. God, I need to give it all back to you. Often the greatest times in our lives when we find out the most about God is when our pride is laid to the side. Friends, you do not need to justify yourself before God. God sees your heart. He knows it's wicked, but he also knows if you're in Christ, he knows that that can be forgiven in him. Friends, the gospel is all that you need. You say, Darren, I, it's, I've, struggled, I've struggled to be consistent in, in, in my, not in coming to church. I've been here, but my heart's been so far away. Would you just thank God that he's forgiven that already and you can seek him? You say, Darren, I struggle to come to church sometimes because, honestly, I just don't know if I need it. There's the gospel for that, friends. There's the gospel for that. That's what worship is, is remembering that Christ died for you. If you're not a Christian here today, Christ died for your sins. And what a beautiful thing that is. You know, it's kind of like that woman who was praying. There was a car. She, uh, she needed a, uh, a car, and her two favorite colors were blue and green. And uh, I took some liberties in paint to, to make this car green, but it, just bear with it. And she went car hunting, and she found the perfect car she wanted. It was green, but no blue. And so she decided to tell the, the salesman, as if he might care, uh, what was going on. She said, look, I prayed for this, this car to be blue and green. And the man said, come here. And he opened up the hood, and wouldn't you know that that engine was painted jet blue just for her. And the man said, ma'am, I think your prayers have been answered. And she said, yes, but I wanted the whole thing painted blue and I want the whole thing painted green. And she missed everything that God had given her, didn't she? Do you see that? Friends, sometimes when God answers our prayers about what we need to do as Christians, we often forget that God has answered the very things in front of us. Some of you have been praying for a place where you can plant as a church member. I pray this would be the place for you. Some of you have prayed for a church where people uh, want to be rallied around the scripture. I pray that that's what we always do here. Some of you have prayed for things that God has already provided. Friends, sometimes we pray vaguely and we don't see what God has already put right in front of us. And God has answered our prayer for a church. Look, Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, the man who would draw crowds by just saying one sentence could make people swoon and fall down. I mean, seriously, this stuff happened. 
The guy who could preach a sermon in his, his sleep and his wife write it down in the middle of the night. He wakes up and says, where are my notes? And she said, you preached it last night. Go preach. And he preaches it. That guy. The guy that said he could take 12 thoughts in his head at one time, and he, he, like a circular thing on a computer, and just pick whichever one he wanted. That guy said, there's no perfect church. Don't seek to find it. But be faithful to the one, if I get this quote right, be faithful to the one who is perfect. Friends, I don't know. You're never going to find a perfect church. Please know that. Tower View will never be a perfect church. If you got in the most popular speakers of the day right now, Matt Chandler, uh, you know, Al Mohler, Mark Dever, John Piper, and you brought them here in this church, and you asked them one question, guys, with all you guys here, is it a perfect church? You know what their answer would say? No, it's not. Because their churches have problems too. Our churches have problems too. But you know what God has done for us? He's protected us all the way. Because he answers prayer, and he is a God who we know provides all things. He is our shield. Why not come and worship him together? Last point is this. Why do you come to God's house? You have a passion for the living God. You trust in his power. You seek his protection. And finally, you have a desire, the presence of the Lord of hosts. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, literally a janitor in some sense, in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Friends, I don't know about you. Sometimes I'd rather be a janitor for Jesus than be a partier for Satan. I don't know if that makes any sense. It made more sense in my head than it probably just made sense right there. But you get, you get the drift of what I'm saying? Better a doorkeeper, a lowly servant, in a place where people ignore you in his house than to make yourself a home where the wicked live. That's why the humble child of God cries out, Lord, my God, my God, why have you accepted me? Why have you accepted me, Lord? That's the first application point. Why? I long for you because you have accepted me, not because I didn't have sin. Lord, I had sin, but it's because I had sin. You still accepted me. My God, my God, why have you accepted me? Is that first application point. And you know why I know something, friends? Isn't that a great reason to come to church? Isn't it true that you often go to the places that you feel most accepted behind everything? You know that old, I'm not endorsing this, but wasn't it that old movie or old show Cheers? Uh, how many of you remember Cheers? Okay, I'm dating myself. I, don't even, I didn't even watch the show, sorry. But it, you, they always knew your name. Isn't that, isn't that what it was? Was that Cheers? Or am I thinking of uh, Mr. Mr. Ed's guy just died? A couple, that was the horse, I know. Sorry. I get these confused. I really do. Mr. Ed was the horse, and the, the guy passed away a couple of days ago. But you want to know something? Friends, you are here today. Approach the Lord humbly. Do you desire to be with the Lord? Do you want to be with the Lord? Then, then be around his people. Friends, there is nothing greater than to know that you can come to a place and worship with God's people. You don't have to guess at it. We're not here to lift up ourselves. We're not here to make a name for Darren or Matt or Blake or this church. We are here to make much of Jesus because he has made much of his glory through the cross and the gospel of his son. That's why we're here. And he prays, Lord, if I can only do that day after day after day after day. You say, well, Darren, the church isn't open 24-7. Well, we're not. Uh, we're not open 24-7, but friends, you have people. That's why it's so important to get connected in this church. Because worship happens, too, when you come together in a small group, in a Sunday school, in, in something that is a group focused on Christ. That's worship. That's a longing for his house. That's how you get in that mode of thought. 
Because we're to approach Him expectantly. And I'll end with this, but friends, we have never trusted God too much, honored Him too highly, or looked to Him too expectantly. That is, our, that is not our danger. Would you pray this week that as you think about church, coming to church, being involved with church, be planting here, being faithful to church, that you remember that God deserves so much more than we can offer. Now be careful, and this is a word to those who, uh, who like myself, could be at the church 24-7. We could live here. Because trust me, there's plenty of doors to knock on. Carlos, thank you for coming out Thursday. I enjoyed our time together. Uh, Carlos uh, and I walked a lot of hills. Well, not as many as previous weeks, but Carlos at, at, at 57, we'll say, right? 57, maybe reverse a couple numbers. 75. Uh, this man was galloping upstairs like I've never seen a young man gallop upstairs. But one thing, Carlos, we, we, we probably knocked on about 30, 40 doors on, on Thursday and you know what, friends? We could spend all day knocking, doing God's work. You say, Darren, I, I just want to serve God. I want to do everything for God. Look, there's a place of rest too. Find a balance in there. But no matter what you do around this church for God's glory, is your heart set on this one thing? God, I'd rather be here with you than be doing a thousand things elsewhere. Now be careful here. Husbands, this doesn't mean you don't have to mow the lawn. Wives, if, you, if laundry is your thing, that doesn't mean you don't have to do laundry. Look, it doesn't mean you sit and you don't do any work. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying, the whole big idea here, guys, is that wherever you are, God is worthy of worship. Wherever you go, he's worthy to be praised. Wherever you land, he's worthy to be honored. That is our God. That is our God. Does your heart long for that even when things don't seem to be going right? End with this story because it's an awesome story. And if I could write half as well as I could type then I might be able to do this. And some of you, I, I pray you do this. But Bill Brasnan has shamed all other husbands for the rest of his life by writing his wife a love letter a day for nearly 40 years. Husbands, did you hear that? We got some work to do, guys. We do. Richard's shaking his head, no. We, Richard, we got some work. We, we got some work to do. And you know what happened? They both turned 74. He and his wife, uh, Kristen, turned 74. That amounts to over 10,000 letters written in over 40 years of marriage. And would you not, and if that's not enough, guys, you know what he also did? He took out one of those great organizers, and he has them organized by day of each year and each month, and they are separated out in a room where he can pull it out and say, on June 24, 1977, I wrote you this. And wives, you know what also happened? The day after he wrote his first letter, she has written 9,999. And she also has cataloged them by date, by month, and by everything. Friends, it doesn't take a massive writing campaign to know these couples love each other. And when asked, why do you do this? He said, I would rather spend a thousand lifetimes with my wife than spend it with anyone else. That's why I have to remind myself of that daily by writing her a letter each and every day. Christian, do you have that same passion that this man has for his wife? And they are a Christian couple, amen? What a great thing. Do you have that same passion for God, his people, and his church? If not, pray that God would change your heart so that your love letter to him each day is one of thanksgiving, praise, honor, and glory. Let's go before the Lord as we pray. Father, thank you today that we can remember you. You are the awesome God. Father, what a challenging marital bar to attain to. 
Father, I pray as we remember why we come here each week. Father, we, again, we recognize there are sickness, there are things that come up. But Father, as often as you are physically, give us the providential strength and we are able. Father, we pray that we would do so to your honor and glory. Father, thank you. Coming to church is not just about the people. Ultimately, it's about you. But Father, I pray that we have a passion for you, your word, and your people. And that never dies. Father, especially in this climate we live in today. Father, especially as the walls of culture and society just continually seem to be turning the ship the other way. It has been turning for some time, but the quick turns it seems to be taking, even in recent weeks, Lord, help us to remember that coming together as your people and doing all that we read that the psalmist did to worship you is what we are called to do. Father, help us to do that in our families at home. Help us to do that in small groups and Sunday schools. Help us to do that in our youth and our adults and our young children and everything we do. Father, may it point back to you. We love you so much. Father, you are worthy to be worshipped. May we do it today. Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.